Okay, I won't continue then with that intro. I think you got the hint. Yes, I'm going to be talking about one of the most iconic film franchises of all time, or perhaps one of the most infamous film franchises of all time, uh, now that there's been countless iterations of it in the mainstream and all over the place. Yes, we're talking Star Wars. Yes, this is The Writer's Lens. And yes, I'm Josh J.C. Alfelto. And no, I won't be finishing that song anytime within the duration of this episode. But we are going to talk about Star Wars. So stick around. This is episode 65 of The Writer's Lens, doing an analysis of Star Wars and the allure of uncharted space. That was a fun intro to do. Uh, I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did doing uh, my own rendition of Star Wars. I hope I don't run into any copyright issues with that, but uh, who knows? Anyway, welcome back to The Writer's Lens. I'm Josh Chasey Alfelto. And as I said in the intro, uh, this is going to be a dive analysis of Star Wars A New Hope. So we're not covering all of Star Wars. We're not going through every single trilogy. We're not going to cover that thing that happened during the turn of the century into the 21st century, or even the mo- uh, the most recent polarizing trilogy that came out that has really just kind of split the fan base. No, we're talking about the OG Star Wars, uh, starting with A New Hope, Episode 4, that came out back in 1977, and what I consider to be part of the big three in Hollywood. Uh, the other two uh, franchises being The Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter. I guess we could probably throw the MCU in there at this point, considering it's made like a gazillion dollars. Uh, so we could call it the big four now, as far as franchises go. But, but anyway... Star Wars A New Hope uh, is the original game changer of space operas, uh, as far as I can see anyway, and as far as I can tell. I mean, it made a lot of money when it came out. Uh, I guess a lot of people uh, during that time period in the late 70s, nobody really saw it coming. I mean, there was a lot being written about science fiction, a lot being done about space films. But Star Wars was the one that came at the right time, with the right cast, with the right soundtrack even, and took the world by storm with its unique visuals, its storyline, just everything about it just put everything else under its, you know, sort of under its heel and it said, look, we're the ones that are going to have the best take on this idea of, you know, interstellar travel, right? With light speed and, uh, you know, lightsabers and all other kinds of cool gadgets and things that can only be imagined by putting yourself into the Star Wars universe. And every single movie, every single book that comes out that has to do with those kinds of things ever since Star Wars has now been sort of placed against the Star Wars standard of excellence, at least from the original trilogy, that is. Uh, Like I said, we won't get into the debacles of the prequels and the most recent uh, trilogy or anything like that. But but the point that I'm trying to get at in this episode is not so much that Star Wars was really popular because of 
just its story, which I do think was really good. You know, the Force, the spaceships, the Wookiees, you know, the, the, the love triangle that turned out to be not a love triangle after all. There's this incredibly cryptic line at the very beginning, the very onset of Star Wars, before you're even introduced to Luke Skywalker, before you're even introduced to Darth Vader, there's this kind of ominous sentence at the very beginning of the of the first film that says, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, dot, dot, dot. And I think right there is where Star Wars immediately hooked the minds and the imaginations of millions of viewers. Because with that simple little line, uh, right before the da-ding, you know, when the Star Wars shows up on, on the screen, you as an audience member are drawn into a bevy of imaginative scenarios. What does that mean a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away? What, what are they saying? You know, like, what, what does it mean a galaxy far away? Well, what's going on there? Like, what's happening there? What's out there? And it really pings, uh, again, from my vantage point, it pings this sort of spirit of adventure, and it pings the spirit of uncharted territory. And there's nothing more uncharted to human beings today than outer space. We're obsessed with it. We have an, uh, you know, an, an unending love affair with deep space, with you know, warp, you know, wormholes and warp speed travel. And, you know, what is it going to take for us to get to Mars someday? Star Wars, I think, illuminates this deep-rooted just sort of fascination that we have with leaving Earth and going to visit the stars that every night we look up at and we wonder what's out there or even who's out there, right? Because that goes right along with Star Wars. I mean, Star Wars seems to believe that there's intelligent life out there. So is there? Um, is it because George Lucas came up with it that there's intelligent life out there? Is Star Wars accurately depicting that there's intelligent, sentient creatures out there that we can interact with, learn their language, and they can learn ours, and in turn create rebellions and empires together? I mean, who knows? Okay, who knows? But it's that simple line there, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, I think that line right there, I'm not going to say that it that it made the millions and millions of dollars for Star Wars with just that line, but I think it was just enough to make people think, you know, what is going on out there, right? Like, we're, we're going to get out there eventually, right? And so it's almost this thing off in the distance that we're being promised that we know eventually one day as human beings we'll, we're going to get there. So, so let's unpack that a bit, you know, if you will. Uh, let's unpack this idea of, of uncharted space because, because to me, and I and I think I've heard this before, and I'm going to paraphrase, but I, I'm or maybe I haven't heard this before. But outer space really is, if you think about it, it's everything we could ever dream of, and at the same time, it's potentially nothing at this, you know, uh, in the same breath. So let me explain what I mean by that. It's everything that our, you know, our deepest fantasies, our imaginations can conjure up. New worlds, new jungles, new mountains to climb, you know, new valleys to sort of hike through, uh, new creatures to experience and study and figure out all their, you know, ins and outs and nuances. And in the same breath, despite all that, 
there could be a whole lot of nothing going on out there in outer space. I mean, we could literally jump from planet to planet and all it is is a bunch of rock and, you know, other minerals slapped together that are just revolving around stars for what reason and what end, we don't really know, right? And I and I honestly think that the latter is what scares us the most. Like, we, we, we don't want to think that we're alone in the universe, but at the same time, we kind of want to be alone because... I think the thought of there being something smarter than us out there is a bit terrifying uh, to be suddenly plucked from the spot of apex predator in the universe would be a very frightening position to be in. But at the same time, we kind of long for this, right? Like we long for some sort of understanding at our level. Like there's got to be something else out there that understands the woes and the difficulties of being a high functioning highly intelligent, sentient creature that is self-aware and knows that it's more than just blood and guts and bone marrow, but is something maybe otherworldly, perhaps, or even spiritual. Uh, you know, I, I love the, the quote from C.S. Lewis, where he says that uh, when I come to the conclusion that, uh, you know, nothing in this world can satiate me or satisfy me, I, I must come to the conclusion that I was made for another world. Now, Lewis was alluding to the idea that we are all spiritual beings, that we have a soul, that we are a soul, and that we have this sense of eternity within us that we long to get back to, where we have intimacy with God and that we will be forever with him, uh, you know, <clears throat> either in this life or the next by a belief in him. So Lewis was alluding to that. But I think that because of that desire, because there's been this sort of broken relationship with God. And again, this comes back to my worldview, my belief, uh, that this condition of sin, if you will, this original sin, this breaking of the intimacy, this breaking of relationship with God makes us look for things in other places. And I'm not saying that that's the reason why Star Wars exists or why we have science fiction or fantasy or anything like that. No, I'm, 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 I'm not making that case. But what I am saying is that we do have this desire to find out where our origins are, find out if there's meaning in the world, find out what our purposes are, and find out what our ultimate destiny is. And maybe, just maybe, outer space holds the key to that because we've explored a lot of the Earth. I mean, we haven't been to the deepest, darkest you know, places of the ocean. I mean, the ocean is still a very uncharted place. But the stars are somewhere off in the distance, beckoning us to go outward towards them. And we want to know what's out there. We want to see what's out there. And in some ways, we really believe that there's an answer out there for us. There's something out there that's going to give us an answer. So people cling to this. They cling to this idea that, that going out in outer space is somehow going to grant us more answers than what we have currently here uh, on, on this planet. So, so that's a big thing that I think Star Wars opens up with and invites people into from the moment the film starts. And we're going to take you to a, a place, outer space, another galaxy. And some of the rules are going to be the same. You know, there's still going to be human drama. There's still going to be relationships. There's still going to be people vying for, you know, monetary gains. There's going to be bounty hunters. There's going to be, you know, corrupted uh, leaders. And there's still going to be empires and, and things that we're familiar with here on Earth. But there's going to be new faces, new settings, uh, strange environments. And that's really, like I said, very attractive to the human soul.
that there's new places that I haven't been before and I want to go see them. Even if you're not an avid traveler, I think there's still that that kind of allure that exists with something like Star Wars, or exists within it, rather. Now, before I go a little bit further with this idea, I wanted to at least mention something that has kept my interest for a long time ever since I first found it, and it's something called the Fermi Paradox, and I hope I'm pronouncing the last name correct. But if you've never heard this before, I suggest you Google it right away and try not to to get a headache reading through it, but I'll summarize as best I can. The Fermi Paradox is something that was created uh, right, I think it was the mid-20th century is when it was kick-started, but it was right around the time that the space race and you know space travel was becoming more and more of a topic of interest. And this guy, uh, whose name was Fermi of all things, uh, Enrico Fermi, uh, was an Italian-American physicist. And he created, or rather coined this paradox, the apparent contradiction, and I'm reading this from Wikipedia now at this point, the apparent contradiction between the lack of evidence for extraterrestrial civilizations elsewhere in the Milky Way galaxy, which is where we are, and various high estimates for their probability. So what does that mean in English? Well, it basically means that there's like no evidence anywhere close by that anything exists even close to being like us. There's no planets that are like ours. There's no environments that are like ours. There's no star quite like ours. And through this paradox, it creates a very interesting uh, dilemma dynamic for all of us because there's billions of stars in the Milky Way that are very similar to the sun. So there should be a high probability that these stars are going to have sort of Earth-like planets, right? That they should exist. And that in that case, if there are Earth-like planets, they're somewhere within the Milky Way, they would have intelligent life on them because we would assume that with environments like Earth's, life would spring up from it because that's what happened on Earth. We have life because we have water and carbon and all these other things that I'm sure a lot of physicists and Biologists could answer much better than me. But even so, and if we do believe that the you know the, the universe is billions of years old, or if you don't believe it, that it is, it's fine. What does that mean then? Shouldn't there be someone else out there? Shouldn't there be another intelligent civilization out there? Well, Fermi's Paradox explores this concept. And I'm not going to read all of the scenarios. I think there's like 23 of them that comes to conclusions why we haven't encountered anyone yet. But some of the really interesting ones to me, and I'll I'll read a couple off here, are that, well, A, the obvious one being that life is really rare. Uh, uh, Another one is a lack of resources to really travel. Excuse me. Uh, It could be that intelligent life naturally destroys others that it comes into contact with or even itself. This is called the big filter idea, is that once an intelligent civilization reaches a certain level, it just kind of destroys itself. It's self-defeating, which is kind of scary when you think about it. And one other scenario is that if more advanced beings exist, we just can't detect them or even communicate with them. So they're here, they're somewhere, we just can't comprehend them. It's kind of like an ant sitting on an anthill Uh, or sitting inside of an ant farm and not realizing that he's inside of an ant farm. He's just kind of doing everything he's supposed to do. He can't comprehend 
that there are larger, more intelligent beings spying in on him, watching him do what he does every day, and at any moment they could just crush him. Okay, that's that's kind of what this paradox is is setting up. Or perhaps maybe the most plausible answer is is that there is nobody else. It's just us. We're the only planet in the in, in the entire universe that just has us on it. And I think to a lot of agnostics, to a lot of atheists, to a lot of people that that uh, you know maybe are not of the Judeo-Christian worldview or even Islamic worldview, that's a bit of a terrifying thought. Uh, it's a bit of a terrifying thought, I think, to some of those folks that we were the only sentient beings with life on a planet in the whole universe, in the entire universe. So that's that's a bit of what the Fermi paradox sets up is like this this question of like where is everybody? Like, are we really the only ones in this whole stinking thing that has life that can logically deduce what's going on around us and observe, you know, nature, observe the planets, just all these kinds of things? Could keep you up all night. Uh, not to say that it hasn't kept me up all at night at times, but, but, uh, but to me then, as a storyteller, so just kind of bringing this back into much more condensed form, you know, not huge, huge picture. How do we respond to this phenomenon? How do we as human beings make sense of this question of, are we alone? You know, how do, how do we deal with it? Well, I think the most obvious answer for this type of podcast is that we create stories that uh, revolve around these fantasies, this question of what is out there. And we almost defer to one another or we converse with one another through these ideas, through these stories, by sharing our, our different imaginative interpretations with each other in the form of a story, like Star Wars. We, we imagine, we almost project out into the ether, if you will. So these are some ways that we deal with this question. We come up with stories, we explore uh, you know, some of the deepest parts of our imaginations that what could it look like? And Star Wars was clearly, I think, birthed out of that exploration that George Lucas was on. You know, what's out there? I don't know. You know, let's make up something. Let's see what, let's see what it looks like. You know, let's really go after this spirit of adventure that's inside of every human being and, and just play around with it and see what we can do. But in doing so, there are a few rules that we have to follow, and I'm not saying we have to follow the rules of interstellar travel or warp speed or anything like that, but we have to follow the rules of human experience and the ideals that we run into. So justice, fellowship, love, uh, the light versus the dark, good versus evil. These are some things that have to be present if we're going to explore these spaces earnestly, if we're going to go after these spaces, if we're going to try and understand what it could be like if we're going to project out into the nothingness that's out there and say that there is something. We have to have these ideals follow us. They have to come with us because they're part of who we are as human beings. They're, they're part of the signature of something bigger than just uh, you know survive, mate, make more babies look like you, and then die, and then rinse and repeat. Okay, because that's not what human beings are totally geared for. That's not what we can logically come to conclusions with. Okay, we're, we're, we're better than the beasts around us. And I'm going to do an episode about this, actually. Um, so I, I don't want to give too much away. It's going to be part of the narrative wars. But, but these ideals, these concepts, self-sacrifice, humility, 
generosity. Okay, things that almost go counter to the natural inclinations of animals, to lesser formed creatures that we share our world with. These kinds of things have to follow us no matter where we go. And on the flip side of that, the double-edged sword is, as we take these good ideals with us, we also carry some very bad ones. You know, evil, perversions of good, uh, corruption, sinful acts, you know, lust, greed. Uh, you know, there's the seven deadly sins that I did a series on a while back, just talking about how, you know, writing you know, on each of these sins, what that kind of looks like. If you're interested, you can check out my main website on jcalfalto.podbean.com. You can search on there and find them. Uh, I trust you'll find them as interesting as, as I thought they were. But but if we take the really good stuff, like love and justice and fellowship and all these other things, we, we take the bad with us too, because that's the current condition that we're in. We, we take the bad stuff with us. So even though we may be in this deep fascination with, with, with outer space, and we, we enjoy the idea of going out into space and finding new places, and it's going to be great and grand, and we may do it in, in my lifetime. It just seems like we will. Um, guess what? We're going to take all of our baggage with us. We're not just going to leave it behind on Earth. We're not just going to throw the Earth away like an ex-boyfriend or girlfriend or something like that and say, good luck, have a nice life. I'm, I'm scot-free. I'm not... I'm not chained to you anymore. I don't have to worry about you anymore. I don't have to think about you. No, 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 no. Where people will go, there will be potentially bad behaviors. There will be potentially evil things done because that's human nature. That's what I would call part of the, you know, the original sin. It's still going to follow us. It's still going to go with us. So even if we do find ourselves in a galaxy far, far away and there are space cruisers and there are uh, other creatures that could speak to us, again, just speaking hypothetically, we're still going to take the dark side with us. There's going to be the light and the dark. We're still going to take that with us. There's no escaping the human condition in that regard. There is no escaping it. It's still going to be with us. And again, I think that's another reason why Star Wars is extremely popular. It's, it's the allure of open space. But guess what? The reality the truth of the matter that we will take the light and the dark with us wherever we go. And I part of the reason why I think the light side, the dark side of the force is such a brilliant concept. I didn't really talk about this in the episode, but I'll bring it up here in, towards the end. What a brilliant idea. The light side of the force, the dark side of the force. Yes, every single human being having that capacity to do good things, to do evil things. Great way to you know expound upon that through a science uh, through a science fiction film. Great idea, great concept, and again, probably one of the reasons why the franchise has been milked so much because it's a easily recognizable and relatable thing. So, so there you have it. Star Wars, the allure of open and uncharted space, the love affair that we have with it, the obsession that we have with it, and going off into the stars and exploring new territory. It's all part of the human condition, man. It's all part of who we are as people and how we would just love to get out there and see what else is out there. So, so Lord willing, we'll, we'll make it. We'll, we'll see it someday. But we'll also take the darkness with us, just FYI. And if you don't believe me, you'll have to read my next book, The Shadow of Mars, because that's one of the most prevalent themes in that book is this idea of taking darkness with us as, as human beings go. So 
All right, enough with the spoilers. Enough with all that. I've I've taken enough of your time with this one. So hope you enjoy this episode. Be sure to like, share, subscribe if you're a new listener. Uh, let a friend know about this creative podcast. And uh, again, if you got any ideas for me, if you got any stories, movies, books, ideas, things that you'd like me to critique, look at, hey, let me know. You can reach out to me via email or just respond on Facebook or Twitter to find me out there. So I'm out on the internets, the interwebs, if you will, uh, no matter how you get uh, the content. Uh, you know, don't don't be a stranger. You can reach out to me. I'm just a galaxy away, <laughs> so to speak. So, all right, guys, have a good rest of the week. This is Josh Yasiel Felto for the Writers' Lines.